You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. It was the year of fire. The year of destruction. The year we took back what was ours. It was the year of rebirth. The year of great sadness. The year of pain. And the year of joy. It was a new age. It was the end of history. It was the year everything changed. The year is 2261. The place, Babylon 5. Who am I? I am Susan Ivanova, commander. Daughter of Andre and Sophie Ivanov. I am the right hand of vengeance and the boot that is going to kick your sorry ass all the way back to Earth. I am death incarnate. And the last living thing that you are ever going to see. It's over because we've decided it's over. Now get the hell out of our galaxy! Hello and welcome to the Epsilon 3, a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast. Each week we review an episode of the 1990s sci-fi TV classic Babylon 5. This week, Season 4, Episode 12, Conflicts of Interest. I'm Paul. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. And And we we are are the Epsilon 3. And the synopsis. Garibaldi begins working for a mysterious new employer. And Sheridan comes up with a plan to counter President Clark's propaganda campaign. Written by JMS and directed by David David J. Eagle, known to his friends as Javid, uh, this episode was released on May the 5th, 1997, and takes place from May 17th to May 19th, 2261. And the guest stars Tim Chote as Zathras. Not, not Zathras, in case you're confused, it's Zathras. Uh, Denise Gentile as Lise Hampton, Mark Schne- uh, Schneider as Wade, Charles Walker as Ben, Richard Stephen Horowitz. Uh, Richard Stephen Horvitz as Mark, and William John Murphy as man number one. Okay. Gentlemen, what did we think of this episode? That, my friend, is a very good question. And if I could remember it, I would tell you my (laughs) honest opinion. (laughs) Because of the way timelines work and what we watched this a month ago and then we didn't get to record the episode. So uh, it's been about a month, but I heard you say Zathras, so I must have liked it because who doesn't love Zathras? And uh, I believe we're getting into the nitty gritty of the Garibaldi escapades. And uh, from what I remember and what my notes tell me here, it was a pretty good episode. What do you guys think? Dan? Yeah, um, this one was okay. I remember watching it about a month ago and then rewatched it uh, this morning uh, in preparation. And there were bits that I sort of remembered and bits that I didn't. Uh, the bits that stood out for me were Zathras, said as Zathras, but listen very closely, it's Zathras. See, very, very different. Um, and then it's it was a nicer shade on Garibaldi um, because we've been complaining that he's been unnecessarily angry and confrontational. 
this episode kind of gave us a chance to sort of see actually the the real Garibaldi is in there somewhere. He's the nice guy. You know, he only charges a third of the rate when he finds the the guy's daughter and gives her back and tracks her down. And, you know, he, he's still there. The, the guy that we fell in love with from the previous seasons is still with us. And, you know, forget those past couple of episodes where we just seem to be picking fights for no, no reason. There's still the tension. There's still like the... You know, is he on the good side, bad side with Sheridan and and uh, other telepaths secretly controlling him? That's all sort of boiling away in the background. But this one was at least nicer for him as an episode. Not the most entertaining, not the one that's going to stick with me in the season long arc. So, yeah, we'll see how this goes. OK, well, let's refresh Sean's memory. And uh, see if he revises his notes as we go along. <laughs> Garibaldi is still working, finding things or people that others don't want to find. He must be doing very well, as he only charges one-third of his fee after finding and reuniting a father and daughter. Just like a roast potato. Crispy on the outside, soft and fluffy on the inside. But he was being watched by Wade, one of the terrible trio from Season 4, Episode 10, Racing Mars. The guys who want Garibaldi to deliver Sheridan to them. They want to test him out with a test run, as at this point, he is still expendable. Sheridan is talking to Zach Allen and asks why, since Garibaldi resigned, he has not returned his link or his identity card and his PPG yet. Zach is reluctant to take it off him as he thinks he will return. And anyway, he will sulk if he takes it off him now. Zach agrees to get, the, get them back, but asks, why the rush? Sheridan says he does not like the company that he has been keeping. Franklin pays a visit to the Voice of the Resistance. I like what you've done with the place, Susan. Steven, welcome to the Voice of the Resistance. Yeah. When'd you get back? Oh, about an hour ago. And how was Mars? It was cold, dirty, crowded. But at least we've got the Resistance on board. And I don't know how long we can keep them, but uh, for now they're willing to work with us. Marcus went off to brief the captain, and I heard what you were up to, so I thought I'd come and check it out. How's it going? Well, the recorders are all hooked up. Yeah. We've adjusted the Stellarcom system to transmit at a broadband frequency rather than point-to-point. -point. So, technically, we're ready to go. Ivanova gives him the tour, but they currently don't have, have the power. We can transmit the signal throughout most of the sector, but beyond that... I mean, if we're going to broadcast all the way back to Earth, we're going to need a hell of a lot more power than what we've got now. I don't know where we're going to get it. I mean, I've been working on this for days. I don't have a clue. What about Epsilon-3? Now, during the war, we evacuated a lot of the wounded down there for safekeeping. Now, I spend a lot of time looking around. There's enough power down there to broadcast clear to the rim. They can transmit inside the, the sector, but not beyond that, which will not reach Earth. Or, just a crazy thought, you could try Epsilon-3. Yeah, you could do that, you know. Well, I mean, it's a logical choice. Anybody could see that in about two seconds. I mean, only a complete fool would fail to see that. Well, I wouldn't. Uh, it's absolutely obvious. Well, I wouldn't have thought of it, that's for sure. No, you're far too modest, Steve. No, 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 that's why you get paid big bucks after all. Yep, that's my job. Well, if you'll excuse me, I think there's a shuttle with my name on it waiting for me. Just feel free, look around. I'll be back. <laughs> you know, I like her. Scares the hell out of me sometimes, but I do like her. Just, uh, don't tell her that, right? Zach asks Garibaldi for his identicard, his link, and his weapon. Garibaldi gives him the card and the link, but wants to keep his weapon. The PPG, however, is military issue, and it would be not allowed for a civilian to have one. Zack says he could buy his own, 
Garibaldi reluctantly gives it back, and after Zach reminds him, the backup as well. Garibaldi returns to his quarters and is watching Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny whilst preparing dinner, when there is a visitor. It's Wade, who has, who has a job offer for him. He wants to hire him as a bodyguard and as an expediter. You interested? Depends on who you want me to guard and what you want me to expedite. A contact from Earth who does not want any official record of this visit. My contact is coming to do important business here. May run into problems with the people we'll be dealing with. And security. So you want me to get this person past security? No questions asked, no identity cards, no checks. Precisely. If anyone knows the vulnerable places on Babylon 5, that'd be you. He says considering what happened with Zack, he is in. Of course it means going up against your own security team. You have a problem with that? If you'd asked me that question yesterday, I'd have said yes. Today? No. No, I don't have a problem with that at all. I'm in. Ivanova arrives at Epsilon 3. She bumps into Zathras. Oh, excuse me. Hello? Hello? Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. I, I need to see Droll. Oh, Droll is very busy. Have had four ground quakes on other side of planet. Damaged weather control system to great machine. Zathras! <laughs> what the hell are you doing here? Zathras work here. Zathras was born here. You work up there, Zathras work down here. You dress like that, Zathras dress like this. That's no, not... Just covering all possibilities. Zathras does not want you being confused. Apparently, there are ten Zathrases. Well, nine now. Bye. Well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait. You're not supposed to be here. We left you a thousand years in the past. No. Yes. We have never met before. But Zathras, very pleased to be meeting you. No, no, we have met. No. Oh, no, 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 you did not meet Zathras, you met Zathras. Ivanova tells Zathras about her problem. Let's try this again. As you wish. Zathras came with us to Babylon 4. Yes. Zathras stayed in the past with Valen. Yes. You're Zathras. Yes. Therefore, you went into the past. No, that was not Zathras, that was Zathras. There are ten of us, all of family Zathras, each one named Zathras. Slight differences in how you pronounce Zathras. 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 Zathras tells her about his problems. You are seen now. There are ten of you? Yes. now. And Zathras? Gone. Zathras warned Zathras, but Zathras never listened to Zathras. Zathras was quiet one in family. So, what can Zathras be doing for you? This scene is the best scene in Babylon 5 I have seen so far. 
Well, we're um, trying to put together a facility to broadcast messages back home into the other colonies. Now, we've got all the pieces that we need, but... But not having enough power to reach far places. Now, it's Zathras, understand. Oh, everyone always coming to Zathras with problems. <laughs> Great responsibilities. But Zathras does not mind. Zathras trained... Crisis management. That's great. Let's... But only Zathras have no one to talk to. It's quite possibly the best, in, you know, the best Babylon 5 scene ever. No one manages poor Zathras. You see, so Zathras talks to dirt. Sometimes talks to walls or talks to ceilings. But dirt is closer. Dirt is used to everyone walking on it, just like Zathras. But we have come to like it. It is our role. We find out all about, uh, you know, even more about Zathras. It is our destiny in the universe. <laughs> so, you see, sometimes dirt has insects in it, <laughs> and Zathras likes insects. Not so good for conversation, but much protein for diet. Ha! Ready? Zathras fix now. Come this way. Nine of them. Hi. Tim Choate plays Zathras so well, and Claudia Christian shows she is a brilliant actor with equally brilliant performance. And technically, this is a one-shot camera and lasts four minutes nine seconds it's one of the longest single camera shots i've ever seen but more about this later in the trivia section yeah now that you mentioned it i, I didn't notice that it was a one shot but uh it, it was a fantastic scene and, and the explanation and the and the interaction between them amazing it requires two people who are, who are used to the stage who can hold a conversation like that whilst mm -hmm. reacting and acting and if you watch um uh, Ivanova, her facial expressions and how she's reacting to what Zathras is saying. I think a lot of it might have even been um, maybe not to the script because there's no way you could keep a four-minute you know, thing like that going without keeping in character. If you keep in character and then and keep talking and saying the things that you need to say, um, then the other person reacts to it. You've got a natural conversation going on. But Ivanova's facial expressions are brilliant. Garibaldi is taking Wade through the underground passages of Babylon 5 to avoid security. Wade tells him that the plans have, cha have changed and his contact could not make it, but he has sent his wife instead. His wife turns out to be Lise Hampton, Garibaldi's old girlfriend, that married someone else as soon as she split from Garibaldi. Uh, she has since lost her first husband through a messy divorce, and he has custody of their daughter. Six months ago, she met Bill, and they hit it off and got married. Well, she doesn't hang around, does she? She gets gets rid of Garibaldi, marries another one, divorces him. Six months later, she's got this. They say this life Bill. on Mars is tough. Yeah. <laughs> so, what did she see in the multimillionaire William Eggers, the man who owns half of uh, half of Marsdome? The William Eggers that has more money than God. He owns the largest research facility on Mars and the man probably spends more on chips and dips than Garibaldi made in a year. She says money has nothing to do with it. Well, he must be big down below then. 
Garibaldi says he will treat this like any other job. Wade interrupts at the right time and they leave. In a scene that unexpectedly appears from nowhere, Londo is having a drink and a chat with Sheridan when Shakar turns up. Sheridan invites him to come in as he needs to tell them something. He says they must be aware by now of the raids on commercial transport along the borders, non, uh, along the borders of the non-aligned worlds. Now that the war is over, everyone's resources are low. Some people tried to take advantage of that. Pirates, raiders, smaller worlds that didn't get involved in the war now have a chance to expand their empires. The Drak. The Drak? You've heard of them? They're uh, a legend. The kind you would use to frighten small children at night. They were ruthless, savage, but extremely bright. A very bad combination. No one has seen them for centuries. Oh, they're back. He wants to give the Rangers a new mission. He wants to assign the White Star Fleet to patrol the borders along the non-aligned worlds. I want to give the Rangers a new mission. I want to assign the White Star Fleet to patrol the borders along the non-aligned worlds. They'll watch out for raiders, drak, anyone engaged in hostile activities against civilian transports, and intervene. Then they won't be involved in military campaigns, border wars. That's not their mandate. Their job is to maintain the peace and protect civilians, nothing more. Shakar warns Sheridan that this could be seen as an act of aggression. The other races could see this as an act of aggression. Putting your ships on their borders could easily be interpreted as a grab for power, an attempt to form your own personal empire. We'll only go where we're invited, in exchange for technical support and the authority to carry out their mission. As much as it may astonish everyone in the room, I agree with Jakar. You are playing a dangerous game, Captain. Sheridan warns that without uh, this agreement, a lot of blood, blood, a lot of blood would be on their hands. That's why I called you here. Everyone knows that the Narn and Centauri don't agree on anything. But if you both will allow the White Stars to patrol the borders between your two empires... We don't need anyone's help. We can protect ourselves. To allow this would be a sign of weakness. Or a signal that it's time to put our differences behind us and try to build something for a change. Look, it's easy to come together for a common enemy. Now our job is to come together for a common goal. If you agree, it will encourage the other races to sign on. If you don't, more civilians will be killed while we stand around here arguing about it. That's not fair. No. No, it isn't. But it happens to be true. If we do nothing, their blood will be on our hands. Is that what you want? Is it? Zach returns to the security office, sorry, and at the end of a security summary is told by the computer of an unauthorised entry. There is a missing passenger from an incoming flight and an un unauthorised entry by Michael Garibaldi's identity card. Zach quickly realised that Garibaldi has more than one identity card and cancels them immediately. Garibaldi, Lise and Wade meet a man in a down-below bar. He gives them an object protected in a molecular isoblock that can only be opened if you know the molecular code. It is something to do with telepaths and a virus. Yada yada. Yawn. It could kill everyone, every telepath on Earth, but Bill Edgars wants, uh, wants it for research. Just then, two bad guys turn up and all hell breaks loose. Garibaldi gets them out of the bar, but not before the supplier of the isoblock is shot. 
After the shootout, the three of them make it out, of the, out safely, and Garibaldi gets them into a passageway, locking a door behind them. However, as his security clearance is now suspended, he cannot get through the next door, and they are trapped. With their pursuers trying to shoot the door down, he spots a ventilation duct in the ceiling, and they all climb through it, because, of course, all ventilation shafts are big enough for people to climb through. Hey, you've seen Die Hard, right? Exactly. Yeah. Obviously the same guy who designed uh, that designed Babylon 5's air ducts. Uh, Garibaldi gets into the tube and waits for the men to follow to come up. When one does, it, he takes aim but does not fire. The man also takes aim but he does not seem to see Garibaldi and climbs back out of the tube. Garibaldi suddenly realises something and races after Lisa and Wade. He, he yells at them to stop uh, going forward and to go back just as the bad guys start shooting through the vent tube. They manage to get to safety and he tells them to get to Docking Bay 3 and if they get separated, you just keep thinking Docking Bay 3, Docking Bay 3. They exit the tube into a corridor, which is quite clearly not Docking Bay 3. Garibaldi tells them that they were being followed by telepaths who knew that they were going to be reading their thoughts. And by thinking of Docking Bay 3, their pursuers would, be, would have picked that up and end up going to the wrong place. He arranges for Wade and Lee to get fake ID on a, uh, and on a shuttle off Babylon 5. He then goes to Bay 3 to confront the telepaths, but Zack has got there first, and they, have been t and they have taken cyanide to prevent their capture. Ivanova returns to Babylon 5 and meets up with Franklin, who warns her not to meet up with the captain just yet, as he had not, he's not in a very good mood right now, as he is talking to Garibaldi. Gar uh, Sheridan wants to know why he has three dead bodies on, deck, uh, on the deck, one in the down below and two in Bay 3. Garibaldi says it was self-defence, and it would not have happened if he'd had his identity card not had his identity card revoked. As he has not broken any laws, although if killing people on Babylon 5, even in self-defense, isn't against the law, I don't know what is, he leaves with a, warn a warning from Sheridan that if it happens again, he will shut him down. Later, Garibaldi gets a message from William Edgars, telling him that Lisa's arrived safe and sound and is thankful for saving his wife's life. Garibaldi says it's all part of the service, and Edgars asks if he would like a job with him. He says he's interested. And finally, uh, Ivanova gives her first broadcast as the voice of the resistance. What you're saying is the truth is back in business. And you know what else is back in business? This promo for another podcast right here on the ESO Network. I'm Drew Leiter. And I'm Cletus Jacobs. And we're inviting you to join us as we delve into the dawn of the DC. We'll be reviewing new titles such as The Unstoppable Doom Patrol, Shazam, Green Lantern, Titans, Justice Society of America, and more. We'll also be reviewing DC Television's final season of The Flash, Titans, and Doom Patrol. Join us every week on the Earth Station DCU Podcast, part of the ESO Network. Okay, and on to the trivia. The original script called for uh, Ivanova to talk with Dral, the custodian of the planet, on Epsilon 3. However, John Shook, who played Dral, was at that time appearing on Broadway, so the story was altered to incorporate Zathras. Much better. Oh, yes. Mm. The conversation between Zathras, Tim Choate, and Ivanova, Claudia Christian, was a single four-and-a-half-minute shot with no camera breaks and was completed by the two actors on the first take. How nice. about that? That That's is the good. only take they needed, and they got it straight away. Now, before we go on with, um, in fact, I'll do I'll do one more um, 
uh, trivia. Uh, the Voice of the Resistance was inspired by the anti-propaganda broadcasts of the Free French during World War II. So there you go. Now, I did a bit of looking into this. Um, single camera shot, single scenes. I remember one in particular, which was Battlestar Galactica 2006. Mm. The opening where they start with um, uh, Starbuck running through the ship. And then it goes on to the captain, and the captain walks through a bit of the ship. He bumps into two of his crew. They walk further down. They bump into somebody else. It's a long scene, opening scene. It goes through quite a lot of the uh, the set, and it's all one camera take. And I remember that, and I thought, I wonder how that holds up to this. Hmm. And then I started, so I went online, found it, and then I thought, I wonder what is the longest single unedited track shot of a TV se- in a TV series, not a film, but a TV series. Hmm. Because films can do it uh, um, a, a lot easier because you could basically just put somebody on a stage and film it and mm. say, oh, that's a shot. And that's basically what they did with Birdman. Birdman was something mm. like three single um, – I, I could see three cuts in it, but it was supposed to be one long edit. Um, but anyway, the, the, so what I did have, or what I've got, purely on TV series, uh, we start with The Office U.S., where they did a lip dub. Uh, they, they come in straight away and one of them is singing and they sing the whole song between a number of them and it tracks through the office and they use different people and then they come back and it finishes. That was two minutes, hmm. 20, two minutes 20. In Scrubs, you've got, uh, for people who watch Scrubs, J.D. Turk and Elliot's hospital entrance. They walk mm. in and they're talking to the camera. They go into a lift, they go up the lift, they talk to people and they meet their new crowd. Two minutes 23. The West Wing... There's a walk that um, oh, who's the guy who plays in the West Wing? Mike? Uh, no, uh, one of the Sheens. Martin Sheen. Martin, Martin Sheen. Sheen. Yeah, he mm. walks down a staircase, gets into a car on the outside. That takes uh, two minutes fifty, and there's lots of people coming up, doing you know, talking to him. Then you know, the camera panning around and what have you. The marvelous Miss Maisel, which looks like something I need to watch because it's it looks hilarious, and some of the comments are brilliant. Uh, there's one scene in there. They they are known for their long shots, and this one is thir- uh, three minutes fourteen. Hmm. Battlestar Galactica is three minutes twenty two. Uh, this Babylon Five four minutes nine is what I measured it. They say four and a half, but I, I measured it at four minutes nine. It doesn't make any difference. The X Files season six episode three triangle six minutes five, possibly. Um, 20 seconds less than that due to a, there's an elevator scene. You get Scully coming up an elevator, comes out the elevator, goes to try, she's obviously agitated. She goes trying to meet somebody. Uh, they're in the office. She barges in, she comes out, she goes back into the elevator. Now, when they go to the elevator, there's a very quick spin of the camera. And I think there's a, I think there's an edit there because that's generally how you get round long shots like that. But the next bit is certainly five minutes long. And then there's a bit where he goes outside and into a um, into a you see a car and she gets to the car or whatever and then drives off. I think there's an edit there. The bit in the middle when she gets into the elevator and they open they close the doors they open them again. There's been like loads of people running around redressing the set, so it looks like a different level. And they do that two or three times, so it's quite an achievement. Uh, but I do think there's two edits, and that it still puts it over five minutes though. Uh, six minutes possible, five minutes twenty. True Detective, I have not seen this. I did not watch this scene because the last uh, 
season one, episode four has a six minute long take for the edi- um, ending of the film. And it's pretty horrific. It's a hostage situation that has lots of swearing in it and language and all that. It was just, I started watching a bit of it and I thought, I just can't follow this. Then the two that go for the longest uh, ever, Psychoville, which is um, the two people from, come on, Dan, help me out here, uh, 1990. Oh, um, League of Gentlemen. League of Gentlemen. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I've forgotten the guy's names. Uh, they um, play David and Maureen, yeah. and I'd watched the first two minutes of it. It was hilarious because uh, mm. they basically are on a stage and they are filming a stage show, basically, because it, that's, you know, it looks as though the, the scene that they're in, they're in the house. The house is obviously just a small uh, set. And they start off by doing a dance, which is hilarious. And then somebody knocks on the door and then they start looking at each other going, who's at the door? And it gets very sort of mysterious. 17 minutes. And that was the first half of the show. They had adverts. The second half of the show was, was something around the similar time, 16 to 17 minutes. Yeah. Easy to do if you're doing if you're going to do that because you can get two stage actors to do that sort of thing. But still, performance. 17 minutes is a good, is a good effort. But that mm. then starts becoming not a scene and a play. It becomes more mm. of a play. So I, I don't know how long a scene would be before you, you could class it as not a scene. But the biggest uh, single take, The Bear, is a recent TV series. Uh, again, looks pretty horrific. Season one, episode seven, they do a, um, a one 18-minute take. Whoa. And that is uh, without any CGI or anything like that. It's Because you know, there are... Like Game of Thrones uses yeah, does long shots. They are long scenes, mm. but they are CGI yeah. as they go from one to the other. It's no way that they, they had sets that big and that intricate that they could do that, even for mm. for them. So that's what I found. So this so this scene with in Babylon Five is pretty much up there with some of the longest uh, single shot camera shots, especially yeah, considering this is nineteen ninety six. Yeah, mm. so. Um, the others are more recent, and there are certain directors that have been used in, in here uh, who specifically direct long, you know, long takes. So uh, mm. I don't know how many of these actually did it in the first take. Yeah, I suppose doing it that way and also doing it in single take must be more cost effective. Like if they can knock out four minutes of their thirty-minute runtime, yeah. um, that's got to be a better way of doing it. And just you know, a bit of rehearsal, and you you're good to go. That's it, especially with a conversation like that between two people. It's easy to keep that conversation going. You can react to things because it's it's mm. a natural conversation. You know where it's going to go. Um, mm. Whereas if you've got a longer scene than that, then you've got to start thinking more like a stage actor and, and really knowing your lines. Mm. Speaking of shots, though, when there was the conversation between Jakar and uh, Londo and Sheridan, there was a bit where it kind of cuts and it, you see Londo's head shaking as if he's talking to Sheridan. But it looks like the conversation has been cut and then the music sort of plays over the top. And I was wondering if that was also in the trivia somewhere, because it feels like there was a conversation that was supposed to be happening, but they cut it for time, I guess. It, it may have been that, that the, 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 the words weren't correct or you know the sound wasn't mm. right and they've just overdubbed it but um there's nothing in the in the trivia or the goofs mm. Mm. but what we might have is uh, star trek connections sean do we have any star trek connections as a matter of fact paul we don't there are no star trek connections no actors at all to speak for this episode. 
No, I couldn't find any either. I was rather hoping that I was wrong and you you would have found somebody. But we do we do have people <laughs> that we've mentioned before. But um, you know that they've not, nothing new. Nothing new. No. <laughs> no. You got to think maybe with all the new series, maybe one of them might try a single camera shot and try and outdo the record. Maybe one day. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, ratings. Uh, our rating system is uh, based on jump gates, and we. Uh, um, Score them out of five because it's Babylon Five. Uh, IMDb uses the uh, ten star rating, and they've given this a seven point three. So, um, Sean, what is your rating for this episode? Now that I've reviewed it for you, you should be able to remember it better. Yes, Paul. In fact, your recap of that episode was so detailed and action packed oriented. That it's it's like I watched it again this morning, just like Dan did, and I recall everything about it. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was a decent episode. We like we talked about uh, we got a lot of uh, the whole Zathras and uh, Susan scene was fantastic. Uh, we we got finally this whole Lee's and uh, William Edgar's thing. The Garibaldi storyline is moving along finally, finally, finally. Uh, we've got the voice of the resistance, which. I don't really uh, remember too much of that going forward, so hopefully there is some, but I, I don't recall from my last rewatch. But yeah, I uh, I enjoyed it, and I, I guess I'm going to give it, uh, let's go with a, a 3.75. Okay. Dan? Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the episode. I think I've enjoyed it better than some of the ones we've had in the recent past um the zathras thing is is the standout that is the thing that you know, you will remember and that was the one that i clearly remembered a month apart of watching these episodes um that the performance was great and zathras was on form sorry zathras was on form um and uh yeah i think um the the garibaldi thing is is bringing him back you know he's a likable character again in this one he's the kind of detective that we've always known he could be um he was able to thwart them and figured out that they must be telepaths because he saw him he had a clear shot but decided to focus on the main target which was lease so he figured that out but the lease relationship i'm not i'm still not really invested in i know we've seen it before i know we had the flashback when garibaldi had a lot more hair um but, you know, it, there was things there, but I wasn't really still invested. I think it also threw me out that uh, Zach had figured out that he had other identity cards very quickly. I was kind of hoping for maybe a comedy moment where like, oh, we took away his identity card. But is there anyone registered as B Bunny or <laughs> Mr. D Duck? Because I was kind of hoping that it would be like a bit more of a stretch for Zach to kind of do the detective work as well. He kind of figured out his modus. And, you know, the fact that he just had more identity cards registered under his name, it wasn't really a lot of a, a bit of a stretch, was it really? You know, just have him, you know, dig a little bit deeper, just show that Zach is just as good as Garibaldi could be. Um, and then, you know, it was there. So I'm going to go 3.7. I think that was the same as my uh, Chasing Mars episode because it was pretty much the same territory for me. Yeah, 3.7 is right, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think on my first watch of Babylon 5 when I got to this episode, I probably would have scored it lower than what I'm going to score it uh, because I didn't really understand the Garibaldi situation and what was coming and what was going to happen you know, after this, um, because you know, I didn't want. I, I preferred the old season one, season two Garibaldi. That you know, 
we all grew to love. And this isn't him, and this is him being a a, a tit, you know. And, and you think, well, what? Do you, why is he doing? And he's going to leave, you know. Oh my god, is he actually going to leave, or is he going to? You know, he's going to be in the show, but in a different way. You know, you know all of this. But now that um, having watched you know, the, the, the last, you know, last having watched it last time, um, this time I understood what he was going with it and what he was, you know, what he was trying to do, and and it was good to see him doing something that we know he's been doing for a while now, but we've never got to see, and that's you know, helping people um, or helping get things or whatever. Um, and yes, he's not being—he's not acting as bad as he is when he's in front of Sheridan, which is a bit of a shame. Um, yes, uh, the standout scene was—I I think um, Claudia Christian in this episode was was absolutely on on the top of her game because the comedy element of it, where she's with um, Franklin and he says, "You know, well, you know, well, why not try Epsilon three? Well, of course, only a fool would know that you know that would not know to go down to that. Well, and, and I've got to go right now. I'll see. I've got a shuttle waiting, and I'm gone. You know, she's off. And then the four minute um, uh, scene with with Zathras, uh, not Zathras. Uh, are you listening, Dan? Because it's Zathras. 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 Right. Zathras. So it's one more time. Zathras. Ah, okay. Now I think I've got it. Yep. Yep. I'm not sure that was the right one. Oh, no. oh that's well. My, that might have been uh, his, the other Zathras. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or the one that passed away. Mm. Ex, ex Zathras. Yeah. 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 So that that whole scene was just amazing, brilliant, and I'll find a way of editing it so it gets into the into the show because so I have to do it in thirty minute, thirty second clips. That's a lot of clips. Um, so, um, although I will put the uh, the voice of the resistance on at the end of the episode, so listen out for that. Um, yeah. So, so this time round, I was, I was. It wasn't as bad as I thought. It's just, it's a above average. I would say uh, it's, it's not an average episode because there's good, good enough bits in it. Um, so, I'm going to give it a three point nine, slightly, slightly higher than you guys. Which means our average for this episode was three point seven eight, which is fair. Hmm. And like I say, uh, IMDb was uh, three point six five, so a little lower than us. So there you go. The truth is back in business. So that is the end of this episode. Join us again next week when we will be discussing season four, episode thirteen: rumors, bargains, and lies. If you have any thoughts on this episode, why not send in some feedback to the epsilon3 at gmail.com. That's three spelled T-H-R-E-E, not the number. Or you can find us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Epsilon 3. Well, if you have any other problems, any other questions at all, just ask. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. 
Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Commander Susan Ivanova, Babylon 5. And this is the first official broadcast of the new voice of the Resistance. We're sending the signal out to every ship that wants to hear the truth. To our fallen comrades and freedom fighters on Mars and Proxima 3, and to Earth, which despite what you may have heard, is still our home. And still the one dream that we are as loyal to now as we ever have been. Over the last three years, ever since President Clark took over after arranging the assassination of President Santiago, you've been hearing nothing but misinformation, propaganda, and outright lies. Now, we're going to tell you the truth. And we're gonna keep telling it until they shut us down or until President Clark steps down and returns Earth to the hands of its people. You can kill us. You can bomb our colonies, destroy our ships, murder innocent civilians, but you cannot kill the truth. And the truth is back in business.